0: Grace, mercy and peace to you from God who loves us with a transforming love from our Lord and Savior Jesus the Christ and from the Spirit who unites us all. Amen. So today is the 4th of July, right? That day when we celebrate when our ancestors declared our independence from England in 1776. This has always, this day has always been a big deal in my family. Every year, we would close off our street, Hemlock Way, and we would have a block party with all of our neighbors. It would be good food because we'd all bring our favorite food. We'd make homemade ice cream. We'd have to take turns cranking it. My mom made this amazing cake. It's not really a cake, called banana split cake. We would have great friends and, of course, fabulous fireworks. But this year, I found myself really surprised that suddenly it was July 4th. And I really haven't had the energy to put into some sort of celebration. I think I'm still a little bit pandemic hungover. Like, I'm not quite ready for those big celebrations. But I've been thinking about that a lot lately. Why am I not throwing a huge party? And because Independence Day falls on Sunday, There are expectations and pressures to preach on this day about specific things, which have also been weighing heavy on me, because I don't want to. And then into all of these ruminations, as I think about 4th of July, as I think about where our country is right now, how I'm responding to that, and, you know, what's going on in a life that is in the waning days, hopefully, of a pandemic into all of that comes these two stories that we just heard this story where jesus goes back to his hometown and he does what he always does he goes to church and he reads and as he's reading he um he teaches and the people there are like what who is this who is this guy? How does he know all this stuff? Isn't, isn't this Jesus, Mary's son? Wink, wink. Because, you know, by referring to someone by their mother, you put their birth into some question, their legitimacy into question. He's like, isn't this James and Joseph and Judas and Simon's brothers? Aren't his sisters right over there? What's what's going on? Who is this guy? Who does this guy think he is? And they begin to take great offense at him. And because they don't believe in who he is, he's not able to do very many miracles. I remember in Mark, we've switched from the parables, and then these last couple weeks, we've heard about the miracles. And now Jesus is in his hometown, and he really can't do any of that. So that story is living inside of me as all this other stuff around the world and the more i sat with this story and thought about it i realized that in this moment in time dear friends we are the hometown crowd You know, sometimes we're the disciples, sometimes we're the ones the disciples go to, sometimes we're just outside that story, but I believe that right now, where we are, we're the hometown crowd. Because that crowd, they thought they knew Jesus. I mean, this was the kid that grew up in Nazareth, right? It's the one who caused his parents so much trouble by staying in Jerusalem that one time. He's a carpenter, for crying out loud. So who is he that he speaks with such authority? Of course, this isn't the first time that question has been asked in the Gospel of Mark, is it? People can't figure Jesus out. And as much as these people were amazed by his wisdom, the people of Nazareth were also offended by Jesus. They are so offended by him that they fail to see who Jesus really is. They are so offended by him that in Luke, they try to throw him off a cliff. But Jesus steps out of the preconceived lane that the Nazarenes have put him in, and they really can't see past that. They're kind of stuck in that way. This is what things should look like. And Jesus says, "Mm, I don't think so. And of course, this isn't the first time that Jesus is rejected in the Gospel of Mark. It happens at the end of the first section of Mark when Jesus is rejected by the Pharisees and the Herodians. And then here in the middle of Mark, we have this rejection by his hometown crowd. And then at the very end of Mark, he is rejected by his disciples. I think Mark in this pattern, is trying to tell us something. I think Mark knows that for most human beings, Jesus is offensive. That what Jesus calls us to reveals over and over again how easily it is for us to get stuck in our ways, to get stuck in the way we worship, in the ways we think faith is lived out, in the ways we believe people should behave, in the ways we want to protect the status quo, to protect our own power and wealth. It's as if Mark knows this. Theologian Debbie Thomas says something very challenging. So maybe if the Jesus that we worship never offends us, then is it really Jesus we're worshiping? So when was the last time Jesus made you angry by stepping out of the lane you've placed him in? When was the last time he touched whatever it is that you call holy and asked you to look beyond it to find him? You know, I... I live by the value to love all people. If you asked me what my values are, I would start with that. Love all people. And I thought I was doing a pretty good job of that. Like, okay, I can love all people. I can be kind. I can listen, blah, blah, blah. And what this last year and a half has taught me is that I got stuck in what I thought it looked like to love all people. And Jesus, the Holy Spirit, is pulling me into a new way of thinking about what it means to love all people. What does it mean for this amazing faith community to welcome all people? I'm not quite sure what that is just yet, so I don't have an answer. But I was stuck. And I think we've been stuck. I know we've been stuck. We as a country are stuck. We as a faith community have been stuck. But there is hope. There is hope because social science will tell us that the way to get unstuck is to adventure, is to take risks, is to try something new, is to have a little bit of fun and be a little bit silly. And the gospel of Jesus Christ is nothing if it isn't an adventure. Because the gospel of Jesus chooses movement and change and growth over stuckness. The gospel of Jesus calls us out of the ruts that we so very much like and into something new. So the question becomes, how are you stuck? How are we stuck as a church and as a nation? And what is it that Jesus is calling us to? What is this one who always breaks down our walls and limits, sending us into that maybe we don't want to go into? But we hear the voice of Jesus calling us and sending us out. But we're kind of like that hometown crowd. Like, what are you doing? You don't get to do that. You're you're over here Sunday morning, maybe afternoon. Don't mess with the rest of my life. The disciples are sent out, two by two. And unlike other Gospels, Jesus doesn't let them go out with anything. Just what they're wearing. No extra things. No toothbrush tucked in their bag. They're sent out with nothing. Except the Gospel that they have. This Gospel of the kingdom of heaven being near. And we, aren't sent out with any, we are not sent out with nothing as well, friends. We're sent out with no judgment, no preconceived notions, no right or wrong way of doing things, just wide open hearts to preach the good news that the kingdom is here, that the kingdom of heaven is here. I like my stuff. I like my theological knowledge, right? I like that, um, well, I know things. And my personality type is such that if you ask me a question, I will have an answer. And I will believe that it's right. And yet Jesus is calling us to preach the good news with wide open hearts. To preach the news that the kingdom of heaven is here And friends, that kingdom, that kingdom of heaven that is right here, it changes everything about who we are. It calls us to repentance because in the face of the love of God come down to us, we can do nothing else. It calls us to step out of our comfort zones, out of our ruts, because in the face of the love of God here with us, we can do no other. The one who gifts us with salvation, this one whose own family and friends can't recognize him as God of all, is indeed offensive. This one calls us to shed our protective shields and love with the biggest love we can possibly love, each and every person. But the hope and the joy and the strength and the courage comes from knowing that that God also loves us with a love bigger than anything we can know. I don't have all the answers about how a country of such diverse people can be indeed one and love each other. But I do know one thing. I know Jesus. And I know that Jesus calls us to something bigger than ourselves. Something that will set us free in ways our Declaration of Independence never can. So maybe this is exactly where I should be today. Maybe this is our celebration here in this place. That the God of the universe came to live among and then died and rose so that we would have life and have it abundantly that this God showers us with love and grace so that we are set free from the things that bind us, so that we know true independence. And in that independence, we live to work for a world that acknowledges the freedom of all people in Jesus. This offensive Jesus asks us to cast aside all of those things we thought we knew and to look in front of us at what is there, and live, love. Last night, I was watching one of my favorite movies or favorite shows, Doctor Who. Any Doctor Who fans? Okay, great. Two. Woohoo! <laughs> my goal is to get you all to be Doctor Who fans. Anyway, so I was watching Doctor Who, and one of the newer seasons, and. Um, At the very end of one of the shows, the doctor says the following, and I'm going to leave you with these words. None of us knows for sure what's out there. And that's why we keep looking. Keep your faith. Travel hopefully, for the universe will surprise you. Dear ones, Keep your faith in Jesus as we move forward into whatever the future may hold. And travel with hope. For God will surprise you in what you are capable of and what love you will encounter. We're not going to know what's out there, but let's keep looking. Amen.